football is officially back. Welcome into Fantasy Football Today DFS on Thursday, September 9th. Frank Sample joined, as always, by Sina Jad and Mike McClure here to preview the AFC home games. On the main slate, our favorite chalk and value plays. I've got a cash game dilemma I want to ask the guys about. Quick thoughts on Sunday Night Football and Monday Night Football showdown slates. But guys... It's like a holiday, honestly. Whatever your favorite holiday is, Christmas, Halloween, Thanksgiving, uh, today is football day. It is back. It is Bucks and Cowboys tonight. We are talking beforehand. Mike's got like 160 lineups fired up, ready to go for the showdown slate. I am so excited. I am so excited. What's going on, Sia? I'm so excited, too. You know, what's unfortunate, I hate to bring everybody down, but, you know, with football come the injuries that come with football. And right before we came on live... You know, we hear about multiple injuries, frankly, but one that that really affects, you know, the sort of the fantasy community. And, and that, of course, is Gus Edwards. So it's just it's one of those things with football. You, it comes like the price tag of injuries and and things of that nature. And it is really unfortunate. But I will say this. I am super excited about tonight and particularly Sunday morning leading into lock. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit more about that injury first and foremost, which you alluded to. We just got this tweet from Ian Rappaport maybe 30 minutes ago. And he wrote, the Ravens cut short practice today after cornerback Marcus Peters and running back Gus Edwards sustained potentially significant knee injuries on back-to-back plays, which is just so awful. I mean, it's awful anytime we get like these devastating injuries, but specifically for the Ravens, who already lost J.K. Dobbins, and now they were up to Gus Edwards. And now, you know, this is potentially uh, season-ending. We'll see what happens ultimately. And their top cornerback in Marcus Peters. So... Mike, I mean, an early diagnosis of the situation, we know that the Ravens play on Monday night against the Raiders. That will be on a showdown slate. It looks like as of now, Tyson Williams will will be the RB1, I assume, going into that game, and Le'Veon Bell will be active. Yeah, I think Le'Veon Bell is going to have to be active there at this point. This is uh, really interesting. I was glancing at my phone as we were going over it to see if there was any reaction in the betting market at all. There hasn't been a lot yet. Other than it's a firm four and not the four and a half or five that it had been, but it's kind of been trending that way. This game might go all the way down to Ravens minus three and a half. This is going to be a tough spot for them there. I I question how ready Le'Veon Bell is. Uh, does he know the are either of these two backs really truly up to speed with that starting unit? It's going to be interesting to see if Le'Veon's overall experience in the NFL wins out in week one. Uh, but they, they've got some issues here. If uh, Gus Edwards is indeed out for the season or frankly even out for more than two weeks, uh, they've got some real trouble and they're going to end up having to sign another running back probably in the middle of next week. Yeah. And if I could just if I could just cut you off, Frank, maybe you were about to say this, but literally as Mike was talking, they signed another running back. So they just signed Devontae Freeman to their practice squad. The thought is that he's actually going to be promoted to the active roster uh, by Monday, by that by that game against the Las Vegas Raiders. So, yeah, I mean, I thought it might be Devontae. There was other, you know, Latavius yeah. Murray was in there. I thought maybe Adrian Peterson would get a call. There's there's a handful of guys, but it looks like Devontae Freeman. Yep, Devontae Freeman, that comes according to Adam Schefter. So nice catch there for you, Sia. Uh, we'll see. I mean, this is really a hodgepodge running back group now with uh, Tyson Williams, Le'Veon Bell, and Devontae Freeman for the Baltimore Ravens. I do want to update a few other things we spoke about on Tuesday's pod. And of course... Injuries brings us to Austin Eckler, who did not practice on Wednesday due to a hamstring injury. He missed six games last season with that 
with a hamstring injury, though, I haven't seen, nobody's reported whether this is the same hamstring or not that forced him to miss as many games as he did last season. So we're still waiting on Thursday's practice report. Obviously, that's West Coast with the Los Angeles Chargers. So if anything pops throughout the course of the podcast, we'll let you know. But we did get this tweet earlier in the day from uh, Doug Kiet, Kiet? NFL reporter for PFF. Chargers running back Austin Eckler worked with trainers off to the side at practice yesterday, but the team is optimistic he can play week one, barring any setbacks per a source. So that's good news. We'll see what happens. Uh, See, we talked Austin Eckler up on Tuesday as someone who we might like in that game against the Washington football team. He's 7K on DraftKings. He's 6,900 on FanDuel. Is this a stay away situation now? Yeah, and it probably was a stay away initially, too. I mean, he is such a a great, prolific pass catcher. So even against that Washington front seven, which is really, really tough, he still would get work. But yeah, I mean, with a hamstring issue, I mean, you you never know. Even if he's active and even if he starts, does he aggravate it? It looks like they're going to be mixing in. They're going to have to mix in Justin Jackson, um, Joshua Kelly, maybe Roundtree. Like this, this looks like a situation to avoid it. And hopefully... Uh, honestly, if, if if I'm somebody who has who has rostered Eckler on my year long team, I, I don't even necessarily want him to play week one. Like just get fully rested. These soft tissue injuries tend to linger if if you get back too early. So it's I'm not super optimistic about Eckler this week. And see, you can't make this stuff up because I was doing my final draft on Wednesday night over on NFFC. It was a high stakes draft, Rotowire online championship. And ninth overall, boom, falls into my lap. Austin Eckler. I was so excited. I draft him. Go on Twitter, scrolling through. I see the news. I'm like, are you kidding me? I, I drafted Christian McCaffrey in the NFFC last year, too. So I don't, my first round picks, they just they hate me in, in high stakes drafts. So that sucks. <laughs> uh, on the other side in that game, Curtis Samuel left Wednesday's practice with a groin injury. Uh, Mike, do we bump up Terry McLaurin and Logan Thomas in this game? Any interest in rookie Diami Brown? It sounds like he could get the start if Samuel can't go here. Uh, Brown ran 37 routes in the preseason. 30 of them came on the outside. He's only 3K on DraftKings in week one. Yeah, I mean, if we get news to Samuel's out, then yes, you can definitely fire him up as one of the value plays of potential there. Um, you know, anytime you have a value play at $3,000 that we know is going to start, we know is going to run routes, I think it's totally fine to end up playing them. I think that one thing I actually wanted to touch on the Eckler situation just a little bit because I think it centers around that. Uh, I always like to look at the betting market and see what kind of reaction there is. The second that I had the news, I was able to grab Washington football team plus one in the betting market. That line has since flipped. They are now minus one. Um, Some of that is a product of the spread only being one point and not a minus two and a half, minus three. But it is of note that it has moved. It has flipped. The Washington football team is now the favorite. Um, Take with that what you will about Austin Eckler, but I seem... It seems to be that the uh, the Sharp community at least believes that he will be limited in week one. Yeah, and we didn't really talk about this with the Eckler situation, but if he were to miss week one, I think even more targets for Keenan Allen, who, look, even last year with Justin Herbert, he saw 27% target share, so that's already massive. Tougher matchup, but I don't think matchup really matters when it comes to Keenan Allen. He's just one of the best in the game anyway. Uh, Lions running back coach Deuce Daly suggested there will be no workload limits for DeAndre Swift in week one, who was nursing a groin injury all preseason. 6,900 on DraftKings, 6,400 on FanDuel. Big underdogs against the 49ers. Uh, I think more so than anything, this kind of throws a wet blanket on on Jamal Williams because we spoke about him the other day, but... I'm not really interested in either one of those guys now. See ya. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I do like DeAndre Swift's talent in general, but what's been going on in the preseason and with his injury, it's not looking great. I mean, honestly, if you're going to play you know, 50 lineups, I wouldn't mind having DeAndre Swift as just sort of a semi-contrarian move in a couple of them, but I don't think I really have interest there, and I'm not going to be playing Jamal Williams either. Last item I have here, I mentioned there could be thunderstorms in Jacksonville on Sunday for the Packers-Saints game. Precipitation has dropped to 24%, uh, so the weather is looking better there for our... Marquez Callaway shares our, I mean, collectively, like the entire DFS industry, because uh, I think there's going to be a lot of Mark Marquez Callaway on Sunday. Let's jump into the games. The Cardinals at the Titans. The Titans are laying three points at home. 52-point total. This is tied for the second highest total in week one as of now on the injury front for the Titans. A.J. Brown did not practice on Wednesday, but did return on Thursday. Looks like he's going to be good to go. Julio Jones also looking like a full go for week one as well. We didn't see any of him basically, throughout preseason, training camp. But, you know, all along, I, I thought that the the draft market, like season-long draft market, was was kind of overreacting to Julio Jones. He's a veteran. Like, he's been there. He's done that. You know, he's he's been banged up in the past. I just, I don't think he really needs training camp. But, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's just me being the eternal optimist and, and someone who drafted Julio Jones in a few spots. Let's start at the top with, uh, with Derrick Henry here. He's the third highest-priced running back on both sites. But we expressed a lot of confidence in Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook on Tuesday's podcast. Mike, are we fading the big dog? Usually bad things happen when you do that. Yeah, I mean, I think that I'll probably... It's really going to come down to where the ownership lands on him. Uh, where it's at right now, I think that he's not cash game viable, in my opinion, but he is playable in tournaments. Um, anytime you get someone like Derrick Henry with projected ownership below 10%, I think I start to have some interest there. Um, the reason why I have a lot of interest there at that point is I can come in there, say his projected ownership is 8%, which is right around where I have it right now. I can come in there and grab 15% and still be pretty overweight to the field on him without having a massive overall position on him in tournaments. So I think that that's pretty exciting at this point, frankly. I don't think enough of us are talking about Derrick Henry. Um, and, and you know, again, for good reason, because everything does start with fantasy points per dollar, looking at that price tag like that. That's just kind of the way we evaluate things. And we're talking cash games generally. Um, I won't play them in cash games, but I will have some exposure in tournaments, no doubt. And Henry is just a, a complete unique case. I mean, from a real life football perspective and for fantasy, because on DraftKings, the full point PPR, he's not going to catch passes. Uh, it's just not a part of his game. That's not how they use him. Uh, it's not how they have used him in the past. I know they have a new OC now, but I don't think that's going to change with Julio Jones coming over. So I think he's always just generally a better play on FanDuel because that's half point PPR. It's more touchdown dependent. And, and Derrick Henry is very good at scoring touchdowns. So uh, keep that in mind. But when he has these monster games on DraftKings, it, it is an outlier because he just doesn't catch passes. Um, See, so yeah, we know that you love Kyler Murray. Let's talk about the passing game. It is loaded on both sides of this game and new secondaries on both sides of this game as well between the Titans and the Cardinals. Kyler Murray comes in at $7,600. He's the second highest price quarterback on the slate. Ryan Tannehill checks in at 6500 He's the eighth highest priced quarterback. So a little bit easier to get Ryan Tannehill in your lineup if you want to stack up this entire game. And speaking of which, what is your favorite way to stack this game? Well, the, the most efficient way in terms of pricing is to do the, the Tannehill side of it because it does get really expensive if you want to, and, and I've tried this and, and I have a couple lineups like this, where if you go Kyler Murray with DeAndre Hopkins and let's say you run it back, you correlate it with A.J. Brown or Julio Jones. This is a very small discount going to Julio Jones, so it's, it's not that big of a deal talking 
let's say 300 on DraftKings. That's that's really expensive. It doesn't it doesn't leave you much left. Now, granted, it's week one, so you can pull it off and you can take one of those bottom end defenses that we already talked about, like Atlanta, or take a shot at Houston, or there's a number of others there. You can take a shot at maybe some low end receivers that we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, and we'll talk about later on in this show. So it's very doable, but it doesn't allow you if you do that stack. It doesn't allow you to grab you know a lot of the big guys up top that are going to end up being chalky for good reason. Like for example. Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, who we've talked about, uh, Christian McCaffrey. So it's just one of those things. I love that stack, Kyler with DeAndre Hopkins and, and bringing it back with one of the primary receivers. But it, it your hands are tied a little bit. I will say this, though. I don't think it's an issue if you want to. I think it's an interesting way to create some leverage here is to tie Kyler Murray also with Chase Edmonds, who we know is a prolific pass catcher, at least relative to other running backs. So that's interesting because he's only 4,600 on DraftKings, obviously cheap on FanDuel as well. So Rondale Moore is another guy you could kind of throw into this game. But to answer your question, my favorite stack, of course, is going to be Kyler with DeAndre and bringing it back with either A.J. Brown or Julio Jones. Yeah, I think it's a good call on Chase Edmonds, 4,600 in this game, seeing him pop in some optimizers as, as one of the better point-per-dollar plays uh, this upcoming week. Had a 13% target share last season. Chase Edmonds did. They bring in a few more names, obviously, Rondell Moore, A.J. Green, so maybe that comes down a little bit. But at the same time, Kenyon Drake is no longer there, and I think that... I think this is closer to like a 50-50 split between Edmonds and James Conner, maybe even favoring Edmonds uh, a little bit there. Mike, how are you looking to stack this game if you're looking to stack this game? For me, I, I think it's probably easiest, and it, this is you know pretty obvious to say, uh, but to go Tannehill, A.J. Brown, and Julio Jones, and then bring it back with Hopkins, if you want to stack the entire game, bring it back with Rondell Moore, that gives you some salary relief. And then you kind of spend down at running backs. You can go Carson, Antonio Gibson, and go with the cheap tight end, cheap defense. I think that's probably how you pull it off. But I think that's probably also going to be the most popular way to do it. Yeah, it's definitely going to be the most popular way to do it. I think that what I'm going to end up doing with this is it's just going to be stack wide receiver one, wide receiver one. It's going to be Hopkins and A.J. Brown, and then I'm going to look for value at other spots. I'm going to look for other correlated stacks with my pass, with my uh, my quarterbacks. Uh, but based on the price points and where they are, um, if you had to, it would be a full stack on the Tannehill side. However, if it was, I want to caution on the Tannehill side. I don't know that I necessarily love the Tannehill, AJ, and Julio altogether. It might just be Tannehill with one of them. I still think Tannehill is going to run a little bit. I think that he has. I think he's sneaky in terms of running the football just a little bit. So if I did, it would be Tannehill. AJ Brown and then run it back with Hopkins on the other side, potentially Rondell Moore. If you needed to throw, uh, you know, you need a real, real cheap value play. Um, I think it's fine to capitalize on that overall game environment, but far and away, the best way, in my opinion, to get exposure to it is just wide receiver one, wide receiver one, build yourself DeAndre Hopkins, AJ Brown lineups. For ownership projections, the ownerships you provided there, Mike, that uh, AJ Brown and DeAndre Hopkins are right around 13% this week. So they, do rank out as two of the more owned wide receivers this upcoming week if you're looking to uh, pay up there. Julio Jones, I don't even see Julio Jones on this list. So if that means that we're going to get him at, at super low ownership, then I'm pretty interested, uh, especially in GPPs. So uh, keep that in mind with uh, with Julio Jones. Let's move on to the Seahawks at the Colts. The Seahawks are currently favored by three points on the road, 49.5 point total here in this game. And on the injury front, we have for the Seahawks, Running back Rashad Penny, tackle Jamarco Jones, and center Ethan Posich. 
That's what we're going to go with. I, that's probably not true. <laughs> bad job. Bad job host here. Uh, those names are all questionable. And then on the Colts side of things, T.Y. Hilton is on injured reserve. Wide receiver Paris Campbell. Guard Quentin Nelson. Uh, cornerback Xavier Rhodes. Tackle Eric Fisher are all questionable. Carson Wentz will play in this game. And I haven't heard much chatter about Russell Wilson this week, but he's at 7K. Very high total in this game. Close spread. The game is in a dome. So it's a controlled environment. Uh, for you, Sia, where does Russell Wilson rank among that elite quarterback group? Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen. Russell Wilson checks in as the fourth highest priced quarterback. Yeah, and, and for good reason. I think he checks in right below all of those guys in terms of guys I want to play. And, and I'm just not sure, just from a pace of play standpoint, where this game is going to stand and deliver relative to some of the games we talked about, like Tennessee and Arizona, for example. So that's sort of why... I'm a little worried about the game and a little worried about the 48 and a half point total in terms of it actually meeting those expectations. But I will say this, it looks like we have a pretty concentrated target share for Russell Wilson. So if he ends up passing the ball quite a bit, which I kind of think they, you know, they're favored by two and a half, but I think this game could go either way. So I, I think, I don't know that Carson's going to have a ton of success. And I think really where the Seahawks are going to shine is going to lock it and going to DK Metcalf because this Colts secondary cannot cover either of those guys. Period. End of story. They cannot cover them. So I think if if you roster either one of those, you're probably in good shape. And honestly, from a dart throw standpoint, I think I've mentioned him before. I don't mind Gerald Everett. I mean, he's probably going to split time with Will Disley. But again, we're talking about a concentrated target share. We're talking about a new weapon for Russell Wilson, who he has sort of repped in in preseason and in training camp and things of that nature. He's very talented, in my opinion, very athletic tight end. So it wouldn't shock me if he he, he piles up a few receptions and some yards and maybe has a touch of touchdown equity. But Russ with DK or Russ with Lockett makes sense to me. Yeah, and Metcalf is at 7,500. Tyler Lockett checks in at 6,700 this upcoming week. So I do think because you're getting that $800 discount on Lockett, we're probably going to see his ownership a little bit higher than DK Metcalf uh, in week one. And I think uh, Michael Pittman is another one that we should talk about. We've basically talked about him all preseason, but he's $4,100 in this game. T.Y. Hilton, we mentioned he's on injured reserve. Paris Campbell currently questionable there. And Pittman is just... I think very clearly the most talented pass catcher on this team. So uh, at $4,100, Mike, where are you with Pittman? And I guess if, if you're just stacking this game in general, are you looking to stack this game? I am. Yeah, first of all, I'll start with, I am looking to stack this game. So this is one I thought I might actually have an underplay on initially. Uh, I've kind of pumped the brakes a little bit on that. I've been reworking everything. I'm hearing a lot of great stuff about the offensive coordinator change for the Seahawks. Um, Shane Waldron is the name here. He's got some ties to McVeigh, obviously. The system that they're implementing is significantly more complex, and they're going to play with a much quicker pace. Two things that I think are really going to help Russell Wilson, but I also think it's going to help early in the season, going to help really concentrate those targets to the places that he trusts the most. That's going to be Lockett. That's going to be Metcalf, and that's going to be Chris Carson out of the backfield. I like all three of those guys quite a bit here, but the reason why I'm so interested in DFS is I mentioned it, you mentioned it. It, it is the concentration of targets. Um, I think they're pretty reliable there. I like the game script overall. I think it's going to be a very competitive game, so I'm very interested there. I'm interested in Pittman, and I'm interested in Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor is someone who's identical to 
Derrick Henry on the site like DraftKings. So we mentioned Derrick Henry a little bit ago. I mentioned that 8% number. Jonathan Taylor, I'm showing single-digit ownership on as well, largely because he's $8,000. However, go you don't have to really look too hard at some of those past game logs where he's approaching pretty significant workloads, very high upside. If this game turns into the shootout that I think it can at all, uh, I think he's someone who's going to definitely, definitely be under-owned. So I'm very interested in stacking this game, way more interested than I was two or three days ago. Jonathan Taylor, by the way, uh, from week 13 on last season, RB2 in fantasy points per game. We saw absolutely massive games there. See, it sounded like you wanted to say something? Well, yeah, because to to Mike's point, this over-under, I mean, we, we did a show on Tuesday, and I, I believe the total was 48.5. It's already ticked up to 49.5. So some of these things that Mike was just talking about, particularly with the new offensive coordinator and the pace of play, um, it does indicate that maybe this game maybe maybe shoots over. Like our initial impression clearly was that maybe this is an under game, but over might be in play here. Yeah, and as of now, I have a couple of players from this game in my cash game lineup. Pittman is someone that I'm looking at there at 4,100. And then Chris Carson, he's 5,900. And we, we've mentioned Carson versus Gibson a few times now. Carson currently projected for 14% ownership. And that's because he has a pretty strong role on a, on a really good offense here with the Seahawks. Mike, who do you prefer between Carson and Gibson? If you can only choose one, they have the same salary. Uh, I mean, it's so close. I need to see a little bit more out of Austin Eckler. Um, as of right now, it's just going to depend on if I want to play Pittman or not. If I'm going to play Pittman, I'm going to play Carson. If I'm not, then I'm probably going to play Antonio Gibson, especially if Austin Eckler is out and we think that it's going to lean a little heavier towards a, a, a win for Washington and they're going to lean on Gibson a little more. But it is uh, that's the question of the week, frankly. Um, I wish I could give you the best answer at this point. Right now, it's just a matter of how do you come down to the value plays. If I have Pittman in the lineup, for sure going to be Carson. But the other thing that we haven't necessarily mentioned here is I might play both of them. That's exactly what I was going to um, say. The answer is both, okay. Mike. <laughs> yes, the answer is likely for me, both of them with Alvin Kamara. You got that flex spot. Kamara is a late game. Uh, I think it's very easy to leave him down there in that flex spot. Gives you a lot of flexibility in that late game anyway with a high salary in that flex spot. So I think that that's, as we progress here towards Sunday, I think that you're definitely, I mean, I can confidently going to, it may not be my optimal, but I will for sure have lineups that have Chris Carson, Antonio Gibson, and Alvin Kamara in them. Before we get to our next game, I do want to remind everyone that we have a Fantasy Football Today DFS contest this upcoming weekend. 200 entries, $5 a pop. Top 20 gets paid out. The link is in the episode description. It's in the YouTube description as well. We'll tweet it out a few times. You'll you'll be able to find it. There's no doubt about it. I threw it in the Fantasy Football Today Facebook group as well. So if you want to play against Sia, Mike, and myself, again, that's $5 over on DraftKings. The Steelers at the Bills. The Bills are currently 6.5-point favorites. 48.5-point total before we actually get to the game. Game. Sia, have you ever put one of your friends through a flaming table, Bills Mafia style? Uh, not yet. No, not not quite. Uh, I mean, I could think of a few names off the top of my head that I would like to put through a flaming table, but we'll <laughs> save that for another podcast. <laughs> On the injury front, for the Steelers, we have defensive end Tyson Alu Alu, guard Kendrick Green, and linebacker Alex Highsmith, currently questionable for the Bills. Wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders and defensive tackle star Lotulale are currently both questionable as well. Of the elite quarterbacks, what I have seen is that Josh Allen at 7,400 is currently popping as the highest point per dollar, one of the highest point per dollar quarterbacks in week one, and he also projects for the highest ownership at 9%. 
So I am currently staring at Josh Allen as my cash game quarterback, which there's a few things. It's up in the air right now. It's between him and Kyler. I think it's really, really close between those two. But Mike, what do you think about uh, using Josh Allen potentially as your cash game quarterback? The way that I have it set up, set up right now too is he's alone. I, I don't have him stacking with Diggs either. Yeah, I mean, he is one of the quarterbacks that you can play without the handcuff there. I think that it's totally fine. Um, I haven't made up my mind completely on Josh Allen yet. The reason that I haven't is I do respect that Pittsburgh defense a little bit. It's just going to come down to what the final ownership numbers are trending towards. It's approaching the level where because I'm not super high on it, because I'm leaning under in the game overall, that I might make the stance of completely fading. Um, and like in cash games and getting that getting different at quarterback and then being able to play a little more chalk at uh, some of those skill positions that I like. But overall, I don't hate it. You're dead on. It's going to project well in projection models. Um, I just as soon as the ownership on a full slate starts to go above 10 percent, um, it does make as for a second when it's a seventy four hundred dollar player and not sixty five hundred dollar player. Stefan Diggs is currently 7,600 in week one. He's the sixth highest priced wide receiver, which actually seems very reasonable for a player of Stefan Diggs' caliber. Uh, Sia, if you wanted to stack Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs in this game, this is the million dollar question. Who would you bring it back with, if anybody? Because the Steelers, they're going to spread it around. They have Deontay Johnson. Johnson, they have Juju Smith-Schuster. They have Chase Claypool. They bring in Najee Harris, who looks like he's going to be their workhorse running back. Who would you bring it back with, if anybody? So it wouldn't be Chase Claypool. I I understand his big playability, but I don't think he's going to be on the field quite as much as Juju or Deontay Johnson. So he's out. If I have to pick among three, he's going to be out. And I think Juju's, I mean, they're they're both really good. I I think Juju's probably going to be the more trusted target for Ben. He's probably going to be in that short area target zone. I think the Bills are going to be able to create quite a pass rush on Ben. So I think he's going to be, and I don't know how much success Najee Harris is going to have. So I think he's going to be under duress pretty quick. So I think those quick throws out to Deontay and Juju make plenty of sense. Picking between the two, I guess you get a discount with Juju. Um, His stats relative to Deontay Johnson's last year are actually quite comparable. I think the perception is that Juju might have had like a bad season last year. And obviously he can have a better season, but he he was pretty good. And in terms of target share and red zone target share and overall targets, Juju shine. So uh, no issue there. So I would, you know, Josh Allen with Stefan Diggs and bringing him back with with Juju. Uh, I don't mind that at all. Yeah, Juju, 20% target share last season with Pittsburgh ranked second on the team. His 18 red zone targets were tied for first. So definitely use in that area of the field. Mike, I, I think I would probably lean in Juju's favor as well, just because Tredavious White, one of the better cornerbacks in the league. Deontay Johnson more so plays on the outside. So I'm not saying that he's going to be shadowed the entire time, but I think he's probably going to see quite a bit of Tredavious White. So uh, it would be Juju for me. I like Najee Harris, but he's $100 more than Joe Mixon and kind of like the Joe Mixon spot, and we like Carson and Gibson. So uh, your thoughts on the Steelers' pass catchers and potentially using Najee Harris at 6300 So the only reason I'm using Harris, if I would, it would be if you're very confident that he's going to be heavily involved in that passing game uh, and and catching passes out of the backfield, because I think that that's going to be required for him to really pay off that price tag. Um, You know, the price tag is a little higher than we would expect for someone like that coming in. So I don't have any interest here, not on a full slate. If it was, you know, a showdown slate, obviously way interested. Um, But in, in this one, I 
can confidently say that I, I don't think I'll be having any bringbacks at all. If I, uh, if I play Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs, it'll be those two together and that'll be it. All right. I do just want to quickly mention that if Emmanuel Sanders is out in this game, see ya, your boy, Gabriel Davis at 3,400, definitely pops off here. Someone I would be interested in. So remember the name, Gabriel Davis. I haven't seen a Thursday practice report for the Bills yet to see if anything's uh, if Emmanuel Sanders practice yet or not, but keep that in mind. Gabriel Davis, definitely someone uh, that I like as well. Let's take a quick break. When we return, we'll hit on some other games next here. Fantasy Football Today DFS. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, let's jump into the Jaguars at the Houston Texans. The Jaguars is currently three-point road favorites 45 and a half total, which is currently creeping up a little bit. I saw earlier in the week this was down at 44 and a half, so we're creeping up on the total. On the injury front for the Jaguars, cornerback Trey Herndon has already been ruled out for this game. And for the Texans, defensive end Whitney Merciless, linebacker Kevin Pierre-Lewis, and defensive tackle Malik Collins are all currently questionable. The main focus for me in this game is going to be the Jaguars pass catchers. LaVisca Chenault, he's $5,000, played a ton of... Uh, in the slot in this preseason, which I think is something that Trevor Lawrence as a rookie quarterback can lean on. And then Marvin Jones, who is $3,600, is just one of the better value plays this week. And I'll, we'll get to that a little bit later on as well. But uh, see ya, for me, it's that's the main focus is the Jaguars pass catchers in this game. Yeah, for me, it's probably James Robinson because, and it's it's only because I don't know how that passing game is going to be parsed out between DJ Shark, who appears to be healthy now, Marvin Jones, LaVisca Chenault. So it, I understand the Marvin Jones play. Like, I'm not against that play at all. But in terms of the pass catchers, I agree with you. I think LaVisca is a good play. I think DJ Shark might be a good play. So when I have three guys like that in a relatively low total, I'm just not really that interested, unless it's Marvin Jones, who's obviously a really low-priced guy, which is why I think James Robinson is a really smart play here. I mean, this guy is not extremely talented, but he's just a volume monster. And now that Travis Etienne isn't there, it's him and Carlos Hyde. And I understand Carlos Hyde might get some work, but I would just think, given his James Robinson's use last year, even though Carlos Hyde wasn't on the roster, I think he's looking at similar use against a Houston Texans second, excuse me, defense that's just not very good. One of the worst in the league, if not the worst in the league. So I, I think even if Carlos Hyde splits some time, I think James Robinson really has a bunch of touchdown equity and he's going to get a ton of carries. Yeah, I think specifically on FanDuel, the price is egregious for James Robinson this week. He's 5900 over on FanDuel. He's tied for the 21st highest priced running back in week one there. So obviously the half point PPR, you want the, you're, you're looking at touchdowns a little bit more. I think Robinson definitely in play there. Mike, are you looking at anyone else here? I mean, the Houston defense, I don't think they're going to be good, but they're cheap. They're 2,100. They're going up against a rookie quarterback. What What is your feel for this game? Yeah, so I'm not actually going to play the defense there. Um, I prefer the Falcons defense if I'm punting down there in that range. Uh, it's funny you mentioned the total moving up. This is one that I actually bet the over on, uh, have a play on it on Sportsline as well. Uh, I really don't like either defense. I think they're both awful and going to be pretty awful early in the season. Um, 
great environment to play in overall uh, in Texas here. So I, I love the over in this game. Um, you mentioned it that I, Marvin Jones, I think, is one of the better value plays of the entire week. And we're fortunate that we're going to get him at relatively reasonable ownership for his price and opportunity. Thanks to Marquez Calloway, because we all love Calloway. Uh, there's a lot of value out there. And because of that, it's going to reduce the ownership on Marvin Jones. Love him in this spot. But I think both sides of this game are stackable. Um, you know, Lawrence, that price point at 62, I could actually see myself playing Tyrod Taylor in a lineup here. Uh, I could play a Tyrod Taylor lineup, stack him up with Cooks um, or Farrell Brown, really anyone there. And I think that uh, you could jam it full of studs after that, uh, run it back with... Uh, excuse me, Marvin Jones on the other side. And all of a sudden you're easily going to be able to pay up for Devontae Adams. You're going to get Kamara in there. It could be the lineup that you have the double stack with AJ Brown, DeAndre Hopkins in it. Uh, there's a lot of interesting lineup combinations. And if we're right about this game going over, um, Tyra Taylor 5,300 actually could be interesting because I, I do think he's well within range to have a 30 to 40 yard run at any point in this game. Um, so I, I think he's got just enough rushing upside at 5,300 that you should, if you're playing tournaments, have some interest. All right. I'm going to throw a name out there for you. Don't laugh at me, but Tyrod Taylor, the last time he was a starting quarterback, a legit starting quarterback in the NFL was back in 2017 with the Buffalo Bills. And that year, his top target was Charles Clay, who had a 20% target share. So I'm just going to throw the name out there. But Jordan Akins at $3,000. He ran a bunch of routes last year. He kept popping up. I would see him. He runs routes, gets used in the red zone. I don't I don't honestly know if he's like that good of a player, but last time Tyrod Taylor was a starter, he used his tight end quite a bit. So I'll just throw the name out there. Uh, Jordan Akins, super cheap tight end at $3,000 in week one. All right, now let's move on to the afternoon slate. You're probably wondering, why did we wait so long to talk about the Browns and the Chiefs? Usually like to go in uh, sequential order here. So we'll start with the early games and then usually get into the afternoon slate. But here we are, the Browns at the Chiefs. The Chiefs are currently five and a half point favorites with a 54 and a half point total. The total is going up and the line is actually dropping in favor of the Cleveland Browns. So it looks like some money here coming in on the Cleveland Browns. And on the injury front for Cleveland, they have a bunch of players questionable. I haven't seen anything that's like that they're actually worried about these players yet, but pay attention to the practice reports for Thursday and Friday uh, for the Browns. Center, J.C. Treader, uh, linebacker, Jadavian Clowney, wide receiver, Odell Beckham, wide receiver, Rashad Higgins, uh, cornerback, Troy Hill, cornerback, Greedy Williams, defensive back, Ronnie Harrison, safety, Grant Delpit, all currently questionable. And then on the Chiefs front, Safety, Tyron Matthew, is currently in COVID protocol. And the latest I've seen is that he looks doubtful to play in this game. And then we have McCole Hardman, nose tackle, Derek Nottie, and defensive end Frank Clark, questionable on the Chiefs' side as well. See, let's start with you. I mean, this game is loaded. I mean, it's obvious, highest total of the week, highest priced quarterback in Mahomes, highest priced tight end in Travis Kelsey, the second highest priced wide receiver on the slate in Tyreek Hill, the seventh highest priced running back on the slate in Nick Chubb. How are you attacking this game? What is your favorite way to stack it? Well, I'm going to have to do it two different ways because I, I kind of want to be a little bit like sort of part of the party with, with Patrick Mahomes and stacking him with Kelsey or Tyreek Hill. Obviously, you don't need to do a stack here. You could just 
pull a share, like we've talked about, like almost like a secondary stack where you're pulling Tyreek Hill or or Travis Kelsey, for example, and then you're pulling uh, somebody from the other side of the ball. But I think a stack with Holmes, excuse me, Mahomes and Tyreek Hill um, definitely makes sense. I mean, it, it might it, probably bringing it back with a pass catcher like Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham makes the most sense in this type of game script. But I'll tell you what, the other thing I might do is reject the game script. And I don't know if you recall a few weeks ago, I said I actually like the Browns in this game. I, I thought, and I know Mike disagrees, and I get it because I know how prolific Kansas City is, but I, I kind of think Cleveland can sneakily kind of outright win this game if they can dominate the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, which I think they are superior on the offensive line and the defensive line. That's just my opinion. Offensive line, I think everybody accepts that part of it. I do think they might need Jadavion Colony, but let me get to what I'm talking about. If I reject the game script and I play Nick Chubb, and maybe I bring it back, maybe I don't. Maybe I just pull Nick Chubb out of this game and I let everybody go nuts with rostering you name it, Tyree Kill, uh, maybe Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, maybe Travis Kelsey, maybe Odell Beckham. But if if the game script is ball control and Nick Chubb just enjoys a lot of success and gets a couple touchdowns, then not only have I gained with Nick Chubb, but I've also gained by not having those guys that everybody else is rostering for this game. Yeah, and currently with the ownership that we have, Nick Chubb is looking at 3%. So you create a massive amount of leverage if this game happens to go under, if the Browns are controlling the game and, and they win the game outright. And it's because Nick Chubb goes off for you know 100 total yards and, and two touchdowns, whatever it might be, at 3% ownership. That's a good way to gain some leverage on the field here. Mike, I know I asked you a couple of weeks ago, you know, what are some things that you're going to look to do early on in the DFS season? And you said, play the Chiefs. And week one seems a, like a good as good a time as ever to do so, considering we have as much value as we do. So how are you doing that? How are you playing the Chiefs here? Yeah, we're definitely going to be playing them early. Love that they're at home. Love that they have that poor taste of the Super Bowl in their mouth. And I think the another thing I want to touch on quickly is Tyron Matthew. Um, he has been attending meetings virtually all week. Andy Reid indicated he could play without any practice. Um, I think that that's something that they would feel comfortable with him doing. Uh, but we'll watch that. We might tweet it out. They have until 4 p.m. on Saturday to activate him uh, for that game. So uh, as far as how I'm playing them, though, I'll have some Travis Kelsey on his own. I'll have some Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes together. I'll have Mahomes and Tyree Kill together. On the other side of it, uh, I do like Kareem Hunt a little bit. I think he's a very interesting play right in that same price range to Antonio Gibson and Chris Carson. Some of those guys that we already like quite a bit. Um, so I think that one is interesting. I don't know on the Nick Chubb. I think that if he is indeed going to project at 3% by Sunday, I'll probably have a share or two. Um, if I do that, it'll probably be still playing someone on the Kansas City side with him, um, probably a more secondary receiver than anything. Um, but I, I will be having a lot of Kansas City exposure early. There's no doubt about that. Uh, do you like any of the Browns pass catchers here as a bring back, Mike? Uh, Odell Beckham's at 54. Landry at 6,000. I mean, that just... It seems so prohibitive. Yeah, I would probably play Beckham. Um, yeah, I think that there are a number of ways to go about it, but it's probably going to be Beckham. And it, it's, I think the most common for me, it's going to be using a lot of Cream Hunt. Uh, his price point, I like that a lot. I think he's going to be out there. He's, you know, on a site like DraftKings where you get the full point PPR, that's really in his wheelhouse and his skill set. I do think that there's obviously the weird relationship with the Kansas City Chiefs and Kareem Hunt after they ended up letting him go. Um, I think that there is a little narrative to be played there. I think that of all the games throughout the season, 
obviously one that he looks up, looks forward to the most. But I also think that that coaching staff for the Cleveland Browns might do what they can to get a little, a few extra touches his way uh, in this matchup, especially being back in Kansas City. So just something to watch out for there. He will be someone that I'll be featuring pretty heavily in tournaments, but obviously only be playing him as part of game stacks with the Kansas City Chiefs. Austin Hooper is not all that cheap. He's 4K, but he is a cheaper way to get exposure to one of the highest, uh, the highest total on the slate. So keep that in mind. The Chiefs struggled mightily against the tight end last year, and Hooper actually had a pretty strong role, but granted, that was uh, without Odell Beckham. So uh, he is a cheaper-ish tight end to look at. The Dolphins at the Patriots. The Patriots are currently three-point home favorites, 43.5 point total here on the Dolphins side. Their tackle, Austin Jackson, is out because of COVID. Wide receiver Preston Williams and offensive lineman Liam Eichenberg currently questionable. And then for the Patriots, their cornerback Stephon Gilmore is on the reserve PUP list. And wide receiver Nelson Aguilar, cornerback Jalen Mills, and tackle Yadnik Juiced are currently questionable as, as well there. So Patriots secondary beat up here a little bit early on in the season. Nelson Aguilar, someone who we... Talked about a little bit, and look, if you want a really just cheap stack for this game, um, Mac Jones and Kendrick Bourne, a few names that have popped up before. But, you know, Jalen Waddle's probably the name that stands out for me most here. See, he's 3,600. He played uh, with Tua back in college, so there's a narrative there. Will Fuller not going to play in this game. He's still suspended, something that carried over from last season. So at 3,600, we know a lot of the rookies are cheap here in week one. Jalen Waddle was probably the name that stood out to me most in this game. Uh, he stands out to me the most as well. And, and I think if this gets to a, I know the spread is only three and a half, but if this gets to a garbage time scenario, I think Tua could just be looking downfield to Jalen Waddle for, you know, quite, quite a bit of time during the tail end of that game. He obviously has the breakout potential, but honestly, in this game, there's not much to like, uh, whether it's on the Patriots side or the Dolphins side. The Dolphins have great corners, um, two of the best in the league in Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. And New England, by the way, gets a lot of people back from opt-outs last year, including a lot of people on their defense, like Dante Hightower, for example. They signed Matthew Judon. This is a team that's pretty stout defensively. So I don't love Waddle, but given that he's 3,600 on DraftKings and you know relatively cheap, obviously, on FanDuel as well, uh, there's no reason not to maybe take a stab. But with all of the other receivers in this landscape that we have to take a stab at, it, it doesn't make a ton of sense in this particular matchup with this particular total and these particular defenses. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head there, Mike. What do you think about this one? Uh, I guess there's a chance Nelson Aguilar could miss this game. Jacoby Myers is 5,100. Kendrick Bourne is 4,400 for the Patriots. What do you think? Yeah, I think that if you're playing 20-plus lineups, playing a lot of tournaments, uh, I have some interest in playing one or two Mac Jones lineups uh, with the caveat that I would only really be handcuffing with someone like Jonu Smith. Um, you know, Sia mentioned the good cornerbacks on the other side. And if he's going to be down Nelson Aguilar, I think that this is a spot where he uses those two tight ends a lot. John o. Smith's got a lot of upside. Again, I think that they're going to look for short passes, really try to get him in as much of a rhythm as they possibly can early here. Uh, but it's really about the price point. He's 4400 on DraftKings. Pair him with another tight end. You're, you're looking at a combination that's the same price as Patrick Mahomes, essentially. Um and they probably still won't outscore Patrick Mahomes together. But if that scenario comes out or they can do that, uh, it does free up a lot for you to stack up the rest of the lineup. So not something you're doing in your cash game, not something you're doing in your three max or your five max tournaments. But if you're playing large field tournaments with lots of entries, I have absolutely no issues at all with a Mac Jones lineup at 4,400. 
Can I just add, Frank, to, to, to Mike's point? So if you're playing the $5 um, Millie in DraftKings, for example, I mean, there's uh, how many people are in that tournament? How many entries? There's like over a million, I think. It's something crazy. So you have to get kind of, di- I mean, you don't have to. I mean, as, I suppose you can get, you know, you can get lucky and not get different with a quarterback stack or something like that. But, you know, we bring up these Tyrod stacks or or these Mac Jones stacks, or we, I might have mentioned it last last episode, um, Tuesday's episode with Sam Darnold. It's it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you can you can kind of have fun with DraftKings when you get into these like big GPPs that have, you know, hundreds of thousands of entrants in them. And there is some viability to some of these stacks with these like no names. And, and typically the way you win these huge entry tournaments is to kind of figure out something like that, which, by the way, gives you the opportunity to stack Alvin Kamara with Christian McCaffrey for uh, not a stack, but you know what I'm saying? Like build your lineup with Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey. Maybe you can even add in Dalvin cook. For example, if you have Sam Darnold with Terrace Marshall, for example, that frees up so much money. You can pretty much do whatever you want at the receiver and the running back position, especially if you punt on defense. So keep the perspective and the context in mind. Like these are stacks for like big GPPs. And by the way, it's, it's kind of fun, right? Like that's kind of what DraftKings is for too. It's kind of fun to throw in a $5 or $3 lineup that, that features Tyrod or Sam Darnold. Do I think it's going to win a million dollars? Probably not, but it's different. Man, I hope the I hope the winning lineup has Tyrod Taylor in it. That would, oh man, that would that'd be great. Uh, so something that we're gonna do here on the Thursday podcast, we're gonna do one chalk play, one value play from each of us. We might extend this to a, a contrarian play or something like that moving forward. But uh, we're gonna use DraftKings, and let's start with you, Mike. One chalk play, one value play that you like for this week. All right, I mean the two guys we've talked about a lot already. Marquez Callaway is going to be the chalk guy and a value play, but uh, we'll list him under the chalk. His ownership's probably going to approach twenty percent in the overall tournament. Cash games could be thirty, forty, fifty percent, depending on which game, which buy-in level you're playing. Uh, but no reason not to play him here. Uh, I think that if he's anything close to what he's shown us in the past, especially this past preseason here, I think the game script's going to absolutely be right. I think they're going to be trailing by a touchdown most of the game here. So fire away with Marquez Callaway. And then on the value play side, you also mentioned him here today, Michael Pittman. Uh, I, I think that that game is a sneaky shootout. Uh, initially, we leaned under. I have reversed course pretty significantly on that one. I, I love Michael Pittman here. I think that the Seattle offense is going to have a lot of success, and that's going to take the ball out of Jonathan Taylor's hands just enough to give Michael Pittman what he needs at uh, 4,100. All right, see you. You're up. One chalk, one value. Uh, let me go on record as fully endorsing those two plays. I love them both. Uh, I'll go the chalk one. I mean, I'm sorry that I have to do this, but it's the most expensive guy. It's Christian McCaffrey. I mean, he's going to be super chalky, even though he's the most expensive guy. I just love what what I think he's going to be able to do against that Jets defense. And I, I, I can't believe I'm sticking with this game. It wasn't on purpose, but the other side of that ball, not that you have to correlate your lineups this way, but I just think in a negative game script, Corey Davis is going to be the favorite pass catcher for uh, Zach Wilson. And I, I think in a, in a PPR format, even a half PPR format with FanDuel, I think he's going to pile up some catches, especially in the second half when they're trailing, which I fully expect them to be. Um, I, I wouldn't shock me at all if Corey finds the end zone and, and piles up the catches and the receptions. And at his price, that's way worth it. See ya. First of all, never apologize for chalk. I mean, it's it's chalk for a reason. It could be McCaffrey. It could be Dalvin Cook. 100%. We're on board. I am with you. CMC, currently someone I'm wrestling with for the cash game lineup. I, I've got a question for you guys just in a little bit. And on the Corey Davis front, we're still waiting to see what happens with Jamison Crowder, who, 
As of Thursday, this was a tweet from Rich Samini, who covers the Jets on ESPN. Uh, Jamison Crowder still on the COVID list, and Keelan Cole showed up on the injury report as well. So they could be down some receivers here. Corey Davis, target share looking very strong in week one. Potentially Elijah Moore, a name to just monitor. Let's see what happens there as well. Uh, Someone they're very excited about. For me, the chalk play, we mentioned him a lot on Tuesday's podcast. Kyle Pitts, 4,400. He's going to be very, very popular this week. And I'm not using like the rookie tight end narrative against him. I think that he is a wide receiver in a tight end's body. I think they're going to line him up all over the field. A ton of targets to replace from last year without Julio Jones now. So Kyle Pitts, I think they they kind of want to you know showcase him. It's his first game in the NFL, and they used a very high pick on him, a top five pick in the NFL draft. So Kyle Pitts, 4,400, I'll be all over. And uh, He's already in my cash game lineup. And then the value play, we mentioned Marvin Jones, $3,600 comes over to the Jaguars with Daryl Bevel, who was his OC in Detroit last season. Marvin Jones was the wide receiver 25 in fantasy points per game last year, and he's already got some reps in with Trevor Lawrence. We saw a few nice plays between them in the preseason. So DJ Chark is back. LaVisca Chenault, someone I like, but for Chark specifically... He dealt with that finger injury. I just don't know what the relationship, the chemistry is going to look like between him and Lawrence early on. And I think Marvin Jones can capitalize that, especially in this matchup against the Houston Texans. I mentioned I have a cash game dilemma. Currently debating a 2v2. You you guys you guys are going to decide this for me. And I, I trust you. I trust you with my money. Trust you with my heart. See you John and Mike McClure. 2v2. CMC and T. Higgins versus Devontae Adams and Chris Carson. See you. Which side are you going with? I have a funny feeling based on what's happened in this show that Mike and I might disagree. But if we do, it's just by the slimmest of margins. I'm going to go with Christian McCaffrey and T. Higgins. Mike, you're currently muted, so make sure you unmute yourself here. And Chief is having some fun down here. We're unmuted. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm on the other side of it, but obviously both are very, very legitimate. Um, they're very, very close. But I will take Devontae Adams and Chris Carson. I think that I prefer Devontae's volume. Uh, I think Higgins is a true wild card here. Like it's not going to, I obviously he's going to get targeted. We'll see what the efficiency looks like, but uh, that's my real question. I, I think Chris Carson's in for a nice day. I think he could easily score two touchdowns. Uh, Devontae Adams, the same. Um, I just, I, I, there's too much unknown with T Higgins for me. Yeah. And can I, I, can I just add something to that Frank real yep, quick? Yep. This is a, this is more a betting angle than anything. I think the Vikings are going to crush the Bengals. I'm just throwing that out there and which, which would kind of like go towards a, like a positive T Higgins game script. But I just yep. like, I just thought of that because the line seems a little, I think it's three and a half. I think the Vikings are in store for a nice little win there. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting you bring that up before we started. I said, it's kind of weird to have your, one of your best bets in week one be a road favorite, but you just brought up the Vikings. You think they're going to crush the Bengals. I, I think the Broncos are going to crush the Giants. I, I think they're just they're, they're going to go into... It's not New York, it's New Jersey. But uh, yeah, I think they're going to go into MetLife. Great defense. I trust Bridgewater. You know, game manager. They have a good run game. Uh, Giants have a good defense too, but man, their offensive line, their offense in general, I have no idea what to expect from them. So I'm with you. You like the Vikings. I'm all over the Broncos this upcoming week. All right, let's wrap up with some Sunday Night Football showdown slate and Monday Night Football. We'll start with Sunday. That is the Bears at the Rams, and as of now, the Rams are 7.5-point favorites. There's a 46.5-point total in this game. By the way, all of these 
came via all the lines, spreads, totals come via Caesar Sportsbook. And injuries that we're looking at for the Bears, nose tackle Eddie Goldman, outside linebacker Khalil Mack, wide receiver Darnell Mooney, and linebacker Robert Quinn, currently questionable. On the Rams side, defensive tackle Sean Robinson, questionable as well. Mike, what do you think about this? Uh, we don't have pricing out yet, which is, you know, it is kind of makes it difficult to talk about this because that's going to no. determine many things. But just an early, I guess, kind of look at the the matchups, anything that stands out to you between the Bears and the Rams. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a slow game. Not many points scored in this one. Uh, the total is a little higher in the betting market than I anticipated it to be. But uh yeah, it's very tough to go to do this without the pricing. Um, I think that Matthew Stafford is obviously going to be someone you're going to be playing. And then I'm most interested to see where does Van Jefferson's price point fall? Um, because he's someone that just screams showdown slate player. Um, obviously, he's not going to have the price tag that Robert Woods or Cooper Cup is going to have in this game. So that, Sonny Michelle, like what kind of discount are we getting? We obviously, again, don't have any of the pricing information here, but I can tell you you're going to be more focused on the Rams offensive side of the ball than anything. Uh, it'll be one of the rare showdown sites where I have some interest in using the defense and special teams. Um, one thing that I do quite often, so tonight, as we're recording this on Thursday, the Buccaneers might be a popular defense. They're projected about 15%. I have a very hard stance of zero defense and special teams in any of my showdown lineups tonight. Um, so I think it's a really good way to gain leverage on the field. Now, this slate will be one where I will end up having lineups that have both of the defenses in them. So that's what will make this slate a little bit unique to one like tonight if someone's listening to this and is playing along. Um, but other than that, I can't give you a lot, unfortunately, until we have a little bit of pricing because it's uh, in a one game slate. As you know, it's very difficult to to build lineups without pricing. Yeah. And I know that you mentioned we're not going to play many of the Bears offensive pieces in this game. But I did want to point out Cole Komet in the second half of last season just basically took over. He played 85% of the snaps compared to 47% for Jimmy Graham, and he also saw more targets during that span. So if you are looking for someone, Andy Dalton, he needs a safe uh, person to throw the ball to. I think Cole Komet could be in play there. But man, <clears throat> excuse me, the Rams defense against that Bears offensive line, Andy Dalton standing behind that offensive line like a statue. I mean, they are just licking their chops. I think the Rams could go absolutely ballistic in that game. Monday Night Football, we have the Ravens at the Raiders. Injuries, injuries, and more injuries. We spoke about Gus Edwards and cornerback Marcus Peters potentially suffering suffering season-ending or at least significant injuries. That came, according to Ian Rappaport earlier today, so keep that in mind. But also J.K. Dobbins, Rashad Bateman, Miles Boykin, they're all in the injured reserve for the, <clears throat> for the Ravens. And then tight end Nick Boyle is doubtful. On the Raiders side of things, Josh Jacobs, Cleveland Farrell, uh, Damon Arnett, Darren Lee, Denzel Perryman, Richie Incognito, all currently questionable, but this practice report is for a Monday game. It's on Thursday, so I, I, I don't I don't see any real anything crazy when it comes to Josh Jacobs, at least. I think he's probably going to be out there. Uh, see ya. Start off with you here. I mean, any types of lean here in terms of the projected game flow, what we could expect between the Ravens and the Raiders here? Uh, by the way, I couldn't help but notice you getting a little choked up talking yeah, about that injury a, report. We'll, yeah, we'll, all, we'll all get through this together. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. With that said... I mean, listen, obviously Tyson Williams is going probably going to be really popular. I don't know. We'll have to see what the pricing is for Le'Veon Bell and uh, Devontae Freeman. But I do expect it to be sort of a Lamar Jackson, Tyson Williams show uh, on the other side of the ball. And I'm not really focused on any of the receivers there other than the pass catching tight end Mark Andrews. But I, I think, you know, with Marcus Peters out, I think Henry Ruggs maybe 
could be a little bit more interesting than, than I originally thought. I think Kenyon Drake is maybe a contrarian play, especially if Josh Jacobs is playing, but there's still a lingering issue. I anticipate them using Kenyon Drake regardless of whether Josh Jacobs is healthy or not. That's what you do when you pay a guy $11 million guaranteed over two years. So I think Kenyon Drake is just interesting from a contrarian standpoint, but him and Ruggs and obviously Darren Waller are going to be my focus. Yeah, I mean, two of the game's best tight ends here in Mark Andrews and Darren Waller. And I know that Brian Edwards, a second-year wide receiver for the Raiders, is someone who has gained a lot of hype throughout the preseason, so might be someone that you can get a little bit on the cheap there with Rashad Bateman on the IR, someone who I do like quite a bit. I think later on in the season, man, Bateman could have an impact here, but without him, Hollywood Brown is probably going to see some targets here against a, a very, very bad Raiders defense. Mike, any early takeaways for this game? Yeah, I think the early takeaways are going to be you're going to end up with both of the tight ends uh, at this point. It's going to be Andrews, Waller, both quarterbacks, and then hopefully we're getting a nice discount on one or both of the new additions to the Ravens' backfield. That, I think, is what's going to end up being a popular build and an optimal build in this type of uh, in this game. But it's really going to depend on what kind of pricing we get. Um, fortunately or unfortunately, pricing is not out yet. So those guys, you know, they would have been $200. Now we'll see what they what they price them at, but uh, I think I have a feeling they'll leave at least one of them down low enough to the point where you're going to have to play them. Um, and then for me, it's Henry Ruggs. I, I think that I I want to be early rather than late on the Henry Ruggs breakout party, and uh, a showdown slate is a good opportunity to go ahead and be early to the field. So I think that I'll have a lot of Henry Ruggs in this one. And Frank, let me steal a showdown secret from Mike because Justin Tucker's in this game, and with all the weapons that that are not at Lamar Jackson's disposal, both at the with the receivers and the and the running game, getting towards the red zone, they could of course they have Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson, but they could absolutely stall more often than not. So Justin Tucker is a very interesting play in this game. Yeah, I mean, especially without their bigger running back, right? And Gus Edwards, someone who projected to be their short uh short yardage roll and down near the goal line and they don't have him, maybe yeah, they they can't punch it in near the goal line. So I think that's a, a good point on you. That'll do it. For Mike and Sia, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Football Today DFS. The next time we will be here will be on Tuesday when one of us is a millionaire. Yeah, probably not going to happen, but uh, we will break down, recap everything that we did. We'll take an early look at week two. We will see you then.